Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And guess what? There he is. Hit the button. Michael Parker's pops up because, you know, once again, Cap, I'm trying to sit here and navigate things and hit the button for the open. What happens? I missed the button for the open. I just transferred Jared out. He knocked himself out. So I hit the next button, which meant that you popped up immediately instead of giving you the grand open that we always give you and Greg when you show up for the Friday free kick. Hey, it's all good, John. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't expecting me, so I threw you off again. So absolutely. I, I was not. Uh, you know, but you know, it's always great to have you and Greg here for the Friday free kick. Um I, I want to kind of talk about a bunch of different things within the context of mentoring and experiences and things like that. And, you know, obviously folks are talking about what information was released yesterday by the athletic, but I don't necessarily want to get into that particular kind of a discussion about the individual, because once again, it's one side of an issue. Atlanta United has not come out publicly to say anything, but, I want to look at it this way. I want to address it this way with you as a, as a mentor and a former player in, in Major League Soccer. When you have a, a difficult situation with a, with a player who means as much as Joseph does, when you're the surrounding part of a roster – and you can, and this applies to, to mentors and mentees as well. As you are looking at a, a roster of individuals that you're trying to help and that one person that might be better than the others may not be around that much longer. When you look at your mentees and they understand that there's one guy who's better and they're okay and they're trying to learn, what does all of the noise that's associated with anything, how does noise affect mentees and how do you address the idea of noise and making sure that it doesn't affect them working on the task at hand, I guess is the way that I'll phrase the question. And you, you mean by noise, meaning like uh, things yeah, going yeah. on out, off the field? And yeah, off, off the field, all of the, the chatter that you might hear about your play or your team's play, those kinds of things. Off the field chatter, how do you yeah. address with your mentees the notion of focusing on the task at hand and just being the best that you can, even though there's all of this noise around you, whatever that noise is? Yeah, it's it's not easy. I'm not going to say, hey, hey, you know, do this and it's easy. Right. I mean, I, I read this morning about Clay Thompson 
um, I don't know if you saw it, John, but he was talking about um, how he heard Charles Barkley was um, you know, criticizing, not criticizing, but saying that he's not the same player he, he was pre-injury. Right. And, um, you know, Clay said something to the effect of like, you know, yeah, I'm not yet. Um, but give me a break. I'm going to get there. And you could just tell, like, he obviously, it affected him, what Charles said, right? And so even Clay Thompson, who's one of the best basketball players in the world, uh, he's being affected by, you know, a, a commentator's viewpoint of things, right? And so it's not always easy to just shut everything out. Um, so that's that's first thing of knowing, like, okay, you know, all athletes are human beings. They hear things, they read things, and it, it does affect them sometimes. Um, you know, but I think that no one on the outside completely understands what you as an athlete are going through every day, day in and day out, and your preparation and how hard you're working and, and uh, the commitment to the craft that you have. And if you um, can look at yourself in the mirror and say, you're doing everything that you can to be successful on the field and give yourself the best opportunity in your team. Then you just have to, um, you know, live with that and, and know that the performances will come if they're not there. And, and even if the performance isn't there from the, from the rest of your team and there's issues and things like that, I think it's back to the controllables and uncontrollables and what you can control and what you can't and um, focusing on your own performances and how you can help the team. Okay, uh, one of our watchers and listeners in the Twitch pitch, Kefsi, has a question for you this morning. You've described just how hard it is to move when you don't want to. Can you talk about how narrow the margins are? As an example, do front offices offer a range of options? Is it take it or leave it? Or we made the decision you have no say in your experience. I imagine with you and those around you, it's been pretty much choice D, all the above, that you've seen versions of all of that. But when it comes to what Kefsi's talking about here, what have your experiences been? Yeah, it depends on the player and it depends on the organization. You know, I think that some players are, I'll just say, more respected by their organizations. And some organizations do things how I would view as the, the right way or the, the way that you'd want them to be done to you, right? If you were on the other end of it, right? You know, I think that Julian Gressel is a good example of like the trade had already occurred and they brought him in, in you know, right before training. I was like, hey, we just traded you to uh, the other side of the, not even the country because it's out of the country, um, you know, but Hey, you're going to the other side, West coast there and, and going to go play for Vancouver. Um, and it was, you know, completely blindsided and didn't know it was occurring. No talk from the agent, no talk to the player, you know, um, that <clears throat> for me is um, a terrible look, especially to a guy who's not in their first few years. Um, who's, who's one of the better players in the league, you know, when I was moving on from an, uh, Columbus, you know, and I didn't see eye to eye with Greg about my value, um, you know, and I was upset and disappointed by that for sure. And, and it hurt our relationship. But, um, you know, he was very good about like being up front with me and with my agent and saying, hey, we'll try and move you somewhere where you'd want to go. Um, you know, obviously, to a certain extent, he didn't want to make a powerhouse in the East too much, too good. Um, you know, so I had some say there, um, you know, and, and it goes to the other side too, right? Usually the team that's trading for players, sometimes they want to know if the player wants to come because sometimes you don't want to get a player who, 
who hate, who doesn't want to go where you're, where you are at. Right. Um, some teams obviously don't care. They're, they're saying, Hey, they'll deal with it and they'll get over it. Um, but there, there's, unfortunately there's no set way, right? The MLS controls all, all the options. Um, you know, there are no player options in MLS. Um, you know, maybe Beckham had one and, and you know, those types of players, but 99.9% of, of players do not have um, a player option. So all options are the, the league and the team options. And very few players have those no trade clauses like Joseph has. So Joseph will have a say because of that. When you're talking to your men, how many times does your conversation roll into the idea of the world isn't fair? A lot. It's something I tell my kids all the time um, because I, I think it's important to understand that, right? You can do things um, the right way and, um, you know, prepare the right way and do things this and, and, you know, even studying for a test, right. You study all night, you, you put the time in and you don't do well. And then the other kid who like goofs off all day, right. Doesn't pay attention and stuff. And, and somehow he does well on the test and you think, you know, Hey, that's just the way it, it falls sometimes, right? Life isn't fair, right? You can dominate a game on the soccer field and, and lose one zero on a corner kick or an own goal or whatever, right? It's just life isn't fair. Um, and it's just, it's just the understanding of like accepting that and moving on and not um, you know, dwelling on it because you will come across things that for some reason it, it goes down that way. And it's all about like viewing it of like, okay, well, it was meant to be for some reason, right? Whatever reason that is, I don't know, maybe quite yet, but I'm going to deal with it and I'm going to move on. Um, and, and I'm not going to make this, like this isn't the the way that it will always be, right? This was an an outlier, an outcast, but these things do happen. What about the notion of being as stand up an individual as possible, being a professional? Because it's not just how you are as an athlete. Because even if you don't turn into that top one hundredth of one percent and be a professional athlete you're still going to be out there in the real world and how you conduct yourself as an individual growing up is hopefully the individual that you will continue to be as you get into an adult. You have to have those conversations too, I would imagine. It's how you present yourself and how you start your ideas is hopefully how you carry yourself on future, True, Definitely, yeah, for sure. A lot of the mentoring we do is, you know, it doesn't matter if they're going to be a professional soccer player, if they're going to go work in business or be a contractor or whatever, do it, do anything in life. Um, you know, there's a certain way to carry yourself and, and to look about things and to set yourself up for the most success possible. You know, when I think about why a lot of companies like to hire ex athletes, you know, I think that one of the reasons is athletes deal with a ton of failure right? More than the average person deals with failure, right? If you, you know, you look at soccer players, right? Say on on a good season, you lose uh, 30 to 40% of your games, right? So 30 30 to 40% of the time you're failing, Um, right? If, if, John, if you failed 30 to 40% of the times in in your jobs, right? You wouldn't have the job very much, right? You wouldn't have it very long. Right. Um, and, And so athletes, have a, they need to have a good ability to, um, get over losses and, and to move on and to learn from them, um, and and to have that, uh, courage to, to do that, um, that 
some non-athletes have never uh, don't as often go through. How long did it take you to, I, I don't want to use the word accept losing because no one likes to accept the notion of losing, but I guess to understand that you won't win a hundred percent of the time, whatever you're doing, whether it's athletically or in the, the business world or whatever, how long did it take you to understand that it's not going to be a hundred percent of the time that you're going to be successful? Yeah, I think um, I, I came into a good locker room in New England with uh, when I when I got drafted and a lot of veterans. And I think at the time, you know, I was at Wake Forest in college. And I mean, I played there three years and, and we were very, very successful. So we didn't lose much. Um, and, um, you know, when I when I came pro, you know, sometimes after losses, I, I'd be pretty, pretty disappointed and pretty hard. And, you know, you see other guys kind of you know, disappointed. Yeah. But bouncing back very quickly and, you know, still going home to their kids and, and, and going out afterwards, um, to, to have dinner and things. Um, and, and so they kind of taught me of like the benefit of, okay, what's in the past is in the past. Yes, we can learn from it, but, um, you know, it's not going to, um, help us for, for next game if we're dwelling on, on this loss in the past. Um, and, and it's just the, the life of, athletics right and taking the positives away from it and, and and taking the lessons away from it will will help you in the future um but losing is is part of part of the journey for sure so when you when you lose or you don't get your way i guess it, what you want to have happen i guess it can i can, can it can be losing or it can be just not yet i, I think there's probably uh two ways to describe it when, when you look at that idea when it comes to discussing that with other folks, I mean, we're all wired differently. I think when it comes to our challenges, how do you get all of these different mindsets of levels of acceptance together to work as a unit? And I know that that's like a team concept kind of a thing, but when you have folks who are kind of more chill and more mellow and they understand, okay, yeah, we're not going to have, you know, it's not going to happen a hundred percent of the time. And then you have those guys like you that are just like, it's got to happen a hundred percent of the time, at least when you're starting out, you know, how, how difficult is it to manage all of those, those ideas in one space before everyone understands a common goal? Yeah, it's, it's challenging. And that's, that's the um, beauty of a team, right? We, we had it in Atlanta uh, when I was there for sure. You know, um, guys like myself and Jeff were a little bit more even keeled and understanding of the process. But you've got the younger guys, especially um, the Latino guys, you know, take Leandro, for example. He was definitely somebody where it was like, um, you know, the highs and lows. And like after every game of like being super upset and, and disappointed and frustrated. Um, and, and that's part of learning and growing. Um, and, and that's, you know, you hope that, you know, through some conversations we can help him, um, you know, understand some things and, and he'll just grasp some stuff off being around us. Um, but also, you know, I think that it keeps us, you know, Jeff and I, when I say us, you know, young and hungry and, you know, brings us back to that time. And, you know, so I think there's, there's good things to both sides, um, but, you know, I definitely tend to lean towards if understanding the long game, especially um, in a long season, unless uh, unless things are going, you know, 
down, 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 down. Then you have to hit a point where this is no longer acceptable. I was going to, I was going to say, because I would imagine that while you and big red are probably, were probably two of the more even keeled guys out there, there was always time where you could sit there and have a moment where you could be a little more than even keel. But I think that the experience factor is where you sit there and you manage. It's like, okay, I need to ramp it up just a little bit. I need to be a little bit more fiery or even conversely, I need to be even a little less dialed in than I am right now. It's just, I think experience also is part of managing those moments too, where you kind of read the room and you're like, okay, I need to dial it up here a little bit just so everybody understands that this is that much more of a moment instead of just being as even keeled as you and Jeff are. Definitely. And, you know, I'm only saying, you know, being even keeled and understanding of losing when uh, yourself and everyone on the team has given everything that they've got and prepared the right way and brought the right mentality and the right work rate and all that stuff. Right. And, and then you still lose. Yeah. Right. But sometimes that all that doesn't line up. Right. And your team is not playing up to expectations for whatever reason or, or another. And those are the times when you go you know, from the even keel above that to say, hey, this isn't good enough. Why are we like this? Let's get out of it. Get better. Um, you know, it needs, this needs to improve um, versus like, oh, it's no problem. When when you have those moments where you've got to grab somebody by the scruff of the neck and kind of sit there and shake them, it's like what what's that like for for someone like you as that individual to sit there and have to dial it up that much more and have everybody understand or that one individual understand, dude, you've got to really jack it up here. And I'm going to be the example here as well. What What's it like to have to, to take control by the scruff of the neck and and drag folks into a situation that they may not quite understand off the top? this is a big deal. Yeah. I think that that was one of the big benefits for me as far as my demeanor, because I rarely did that. So when I did do it, like everyone knew, um, like, you know, Oh shoot. You know, if Parky's losing his, his crap here, then something must really be going on. Um, because this is abnormal and rare. Um, so, you know, let me pay attention and, you know, understand the gravity of it mm-hmm. versus if, you know, somebody is doing it all the time, you know, win or lose small margin to big margins, then, you know, it kind of, it loses its effect. Um, so I think that I benefited from that in, in that regard. Um, but as far as getting there, it wasn't, it, it took a little bit, right. You know, and, and that's just my uh, demeanor of not wanting to get on guys unless it was, you know, really necessary. Um, but when it was, it wasn't difficult because I knew like, you know, the emotions just get through and you get hot and, um, that's where the competitiveness comes in. I just, I just have this vision of you when you've dialed it up and you're, it's, it, you're steamed between the ears and it just, I just have this vision of you trying to sit there and, and, and cuss and sit there and make your point and stomp around. I mean, did you ever have one of those almost out-of-body experiences where you're trying to sit there and make a point so atypically of how you would normally make a point that everybody was like, man, Park Parkhurst is out there today. Did you ever have one of those out-of-body experiences where you had to make a point? Yeah, I mean, I remember one specifically. I, I was in Denmark at the time, and um, we had just played a Champions League game against Shakhtar Donetsk, and... Um, 
It's a good history lesson and something crazy to look up on on uh, YouTube. Shakhtar Donetsk scored a crazy goal that they we kicked the ball out of bounds on purpose for one of their guys. They were supposed to kick the ball back to us. Their guy kicked the ball back to our goalie, and their striker ran onto it and scored. <laughs> while all of us were stopped, right? So it was like there was a huge delay in the game, like fighting. It, it was just in, insane. <laughs> So anyways, and this is a, a, a group league Champions League game, like big, big, big time. Um, so anyways, that guy ended up, Adriano, very good player, ended up scoring a hat trick in the game. And that was the first of the goals that he scored. And so we allowed him to score two more goals. And I lost it. I was playing right back at the time. And I lost it in the locker room afterwards, like in front of the whole team, like, um, just saying how embarrassing and disgraceful it was. And, you know, that this guy should have never been able to finish the game. You know, somebody needed to lay into him and make a point. And, you know, that was just very rare for me, but it, I, I just could not control it. You know, it was just, I had so much anger and so much fire inside. I, I remember that to this day for sure. Do your mentees of this generation, how are, how are they wired emotionally? Do they, are they are they more hot tempered? Uh, is it is it the three bears? Is it some are hot tempered, some are just right, and some are cold tempered? How do you view today's mentee? How are they wired more than more than not? Yeah, all over the shop. Um, you know, there's definitely some that are are are, are too wired, and, and you need to let them understand about the losses and you know controlling things. But um, there are a fair share where. Um, you know, I think that we've got sort of sometimes a tendency, especially for, for young youth players to say, hey, you know, like calm down out there. Um, but sometimes that's their strength is bringing that emotion and that fire to the game and, you know, that tenacity. And so I say, hey, you know, play the game with emotions, you know, don't don't go over the edge. But, you know, if that's one of your strengths, then bring it right. Don't 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 put that on the side if that's one of your strengths. Um, so like everything, right. There's that fine balance um, that we always talk about. Uh, but, you know, there's definitely players that, you know, but you're also saying, Hey, you know, you need to care a little bit more um, about your own play and, um, and the team's play and can you affect it and can you talk to guys and um, the right way. Uh, so definitely all over the shop. How much are you as a mentor and Greg learning about mentoring through your mentees? I mean, I imagine that when you started Beyond Goals, there was this, you had a skill set, you had a mindset, you and Greg had an approach and an idea. How much have you learned about yourself as a mentor during this process with, with Beyond Goals? Yeah, a lot, actually. I've learned you know, a lot about things that I just took for granted throughout my career, just because I didn't know any better. And I was just like, well, this is kind of how I am and why I do things and how I approach things. Um, but now when I'm like trying to teach some of the things I think back into like, Oh, why did I, why did I do that? Or how did I do that? And why did it benefit me? And Oh, this is maybe why I instinctively did this or that. And no, not every player feels this way or does this thing or understands this concept or those types of things. So um, it really has me um, analyzing my own self and why I did some of the things I did and what led to success and what didn't and those types of things where, um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have thought about all those things and what made me successful um, 
unless I was doing what I'm doing. Abby with a question. She wonders what the mentee expectations are, even between generations, Gen Z compared with millennials. Are mentee expectations different or are the expectations, regardless of which generation we're talking about, is it universal or are they different? Um, I think expectations are higher um, right now for, I don't know if it's for everyone, but definitely for like the Atlanta United players and like the, the higher, um, the higher end athletes right now that we work with, like the, um, even the club soccer players, right. They, they all want to become professional or, you know, play in college and um, they've got these goals and some of these kids want to turn pro by the time they're 16, 17, because some other players have, um, and so it's, it's kind of managed, managing those expectations a little bit as well. <clears throat> also managing parents' expectations of their kids, um, you know, and, and the pressure that puts on, on some kids. Um, so definitely part of it is, is dealing with that and setting goals along the way, right? You know, when, when I was going through, it was, you know, my goal was, you know, to make the high school team. And then it was, um, you know, to become a starter and to see if I get to college. Okay. I can get to college. How good of a college can I get to? Okay. Can I become a starter at college? You know? And then it was just like, okay, eventually it was like, okay, you know, I think I can turn pro. Um, not like, you know, of course you have the dream yeah. uh, of going pro, but the dream is different than the expectation. Um, so yeah, for sure. We, we, we encourage kids and people to dream big. Um, one thing that I heard, not too long ago that I liked was if nobody calls your dream crazy, you're not dreaming high enough or big enough. Yeah. Um, and, and I really liked that, but you know, expectations is a, is a different thing. What was the last craziest dream you had? <laughs> the last craziest dream I had, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. That's a good question, John. Uh, I don't know. Was it Rhode Island? that's that's yeah it's a tough thing right now because a lot of the dreams are like you know i hope to become reality like yes rhode island's a big one um i told my wife i want to be fluent in spanish by the time i'm 40 okay so you know maybe both of those are dreams um but some of it i have control over um so um yeah i don't know well, and I, I will once again let you let you know. It's story time with John, real quick, uh, to talk about crazy dreams. You know how, like, when your grandparents will sit there and they'll tell you that you're crazy sometimes. You know, and they'll just they'll do this, they'll do the hand bit, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you're crazy." Well, when I was in college, my grandfather, who was Battle of uh, Battle of Britain, invasion of North Africa, OSS the wind tunnels in Tennessee in the 1950s uh, youngest ever at the time to achieve the rank of bird colonel. And because he never held his tongue, he remained the youngest ever at the time to remain bird colonel. Uh, when I told him, he's like, okay, so you're going to school. Well, you know, what are you going to major in? I said, political science. He goes, Oh, you're going to be a lawyer. I'm like, no, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to work in television. I'm going to do, I'm going to do TV sports instead of doing this where he says, Oh, you're crazy as hell. He came all the way from back here. It was like, oh, you're crazy as hell. And I mean, literally, he almost like threw his shoulder out of his socket. So 
that that's the kind of crazy dream that you're looking at with with this. And so, nice. I'm, okay, that's a crazy enough dream to to sit there and have your grandfather throw his arm out of the socket to tell you how nuts you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that sure. so that's that's the kind of stuff that that we're looking at here. And, you know, to be able to, to have these things that are attainable and achievable, if, if what is what is it? If you don't dream, it, you can't achieve it. I mm-hmm. think that's, I think that's. Yep. And yeah. so you've, you've gone from incredibly successful professional athlete to now someone who is investing in futures, whether it's menteeing or if it's in expanding the game in a riverfront development with a shiny stadium and professional franchisey kind of stuff. I think that that's, I think that that's dreaming pretty big and, and seeing things that you want to tackle, whether it's crazy or not, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, true. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll take those, those, those dreams. If they, if they both come realities here in the next uh, year and a half or so, um, I'm doing all right. I'll be happy with that. Okay. Um, I will say, John, just to everybody that's here, I, I am reading the messages on the side. I've realized now where they are, and I've, the last couple, <laughs> the last couple times I've been on, I've been seeing them. So yeah, I'm disappointed that Larry's not with Atlanta as well, and, but I am happy to have him up here in Ohio with me in Darlington. Okay. Yeah. So it's so. Uh, does this mean that uh, that you're going to call up uh, Big Red one morning and have him just kind of appear from the side and just have him kind of eavesdrop in on the on the uh, the segment? <laughs> uh, i'd love to have that just just have him knock on the door and crash the segment i think that'd be pretty funny yeah uh, you know jeff actually was going to be a part of beyond goals it was the three of us that were putting this all together but then uh he, he had just too many commitments uh elsewhere um Can't and, and wasn't quite sure at the time where he wanted to go and what he was going to do so um but it was going to be the three of us and, and before Can't can't take him anywhere just you know man just, uh can you tackle an atlanta united question before we go of course all right so jason nix came in this morning and he wanted to know what your impression was of how atlanta united has done business and would you want to come here now if you had the choice if i was a player yeah and, um yes i i'd be wary mm-hmm uh, more wary than I would have been um, a little while ago. Yeah. Um, but yes, because it's still one of the biggest clubs in MLS. You still play in front of a massive crowd. It's still a well-funded team that takes good care of them, that has a great training facility, um, and will set you up for success. And if you do really well and, and you've got offers from – you know, Europe or wherever, um, they obviously will sell if, if the offer is right. So I think all of those things still work in Atlanta United's favor. Um, you know, but there are other teams that are catching um, quickly. You know, you know, Atlanta United set the tone for MLS 3.0, 4.0, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, but other teams have joined in, which is great. And that's what you wanted from the league. Um, but I'd still, it's still a top five destination in MLS. So what's going on with beyond goals these days? Uh, I'm down next week to uh, speak to a foundation board so that we can hopefully get some uh, 5013C, C3, whatever it is, uh, funding for the nonprofit side. Um, So, 
hopefully that will go well and it'll open up more doors for us to do more in the community. Sweet. At MF Parkhurst on the Twitters, uh, now he's got he's got a three week streak going, hanging out with me and and all of my my random questions and thoughts. And he's sitting there going, "God, what's Nelson going to ask me next? I have no idea." And uh, but thanks for hanging on to the comet every single week, uh, Cap. It's great to have you on, and great work that you and Greg and everybody's doing there at Beyond Goals. And that uh, we will catch up with you next week, or we'll catch you, we'll catch up with you the next time we see you. Whether or not Garza sits there and says, "Hey." Can, can you cover for me again? I yeah, this guy's always busy on Friday mornings. I don't always have going on. Dude, it's like, so yeah, we'll catch up with you and Garza. Thanks again, Mike. Yeah, of course. Good to talk to you. Have All, a good right. Weekend. All right, be good. Michael Parkhurst, as always, fantastic for him to catch up with us here at to Beyond Goals. So let me do this since I didn't get to do it when uh, he first was here. 